You're listening to the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Kevin, Derek, and Alex. All righty, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Derek, and I am joined, as always, by your co-hosts, Kevin and Alex. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing good, man. Doing good. Week three is in the books. Um, plugging right along. We're kind of starting to see uh, some trends here in the NFL this season, especially when it comes to fantasy. So hopefully that leads for a little bit more success for everybody down the pike here. But uh, how are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I didn't realize how crucial week three actually was um, until I was watching. I don't even remember what game I was watching on Sunday. And they brought up a stat, and it was like if a team goes two and one, their chances of making the playoffs playoffs are like astronomically better than a team that goes one and two. So I was unaware of how crucial week week uh, week three actually was in the fantasy world. Boys, we are off the schneid. I finally snagged a W in the home league, and uh, it only took Christian McCaffrey straining his hamstring um, and then a few other breaks to go my way. Um, and I, I didn't get half a century hung on me. That's always helpful. Um, and, uh, and uh, I was the one putting up, putting up some big numbers. You mean like a half millennium, right? Because you scored like almost half a century. I did, but I've been the last two weeks. The only people that have scored 500 points ever in this league uh, on the new platform have gone up against your boy. So it, it was not fun start to the season, and we finally got a W. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, I, uh, I'd i rather not talk about my uh, my roster there. The Dallas got crushed by Tay-Tay. Got crushed by Tay-Tay. That, uh, that uh, Dalvin Cook coming out, uh, news coming out there that he wasn't going to start um, I was able to pivot, but my pivots were less than desirable, let's say, because one of the pivots was uh, Damian Harris. And for any of you that followed that uh, that performance, we'll get to it in my clutch. Not so much there. Um, as Alex says, that's a little tease. So, but, uh, so walk us through this really quick, because one of the big you know, hammers on the show is grab your handcuff. But your handcuff was sitting out on the waiver wire until Sunday sure morning sure when uh, our, our buddy Craig picked him up and just stashed him on his bench. He didn't even play him. No, right. he, play, he played him, I thought. Did he? I thought he yeah, I did he ended not. Up, he ended up sneaking him in there at the end. Yeah, oh, he okay. stuck him in there and got a 70 spot out of him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to blame some of that on uh, being in too many leagues. Uh, but moreover, <laughs> it was just a case that um, I have some guys on my roster that I didn't want to to give up early on in the season. And by the time I got around to adding, uh, said Mr. Alexander Madison, it was too late because he was already on Craig's bench. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this, though, Derek, in the guillotine league that we're all in, and there's a bunch of um, bunch of us that are in this guillotine league because it's a 2014 league and it's insanity, uh, or at least it was when we started. Um, I also had Dalvin Cook. Now. Yeah, there's not 24 now. Um, but I also had Dalvin cook and, uh, started scrambling Sunday morning when I started seeing the reports and in that league, uh, damn near impossible to find another running back. That's going to be playing. Uh, so I went and snagged Matt Breida only to then go back after games had kicked and realize that Matt Breida was inactive. So (laughs) 
what are you going to do? <laughs> there, there's that. <laughs> that was fun. That was nice. I was like, oh, Matt Breida, he could, he could go off. Sleepers got him projected to get points, which is all I need. I just need points. Uh, and uh, then I see after games kicked, the early games kicked, Matt Breida inactive. I was like, son of a... Son of a son of a gun, um, <laughs> absolutely. A gun. So, uh, getting a couple of comments here, and for everybody out there, um, the the new changeover with some of the streaming stuff doesn't allow me to post the uh, comments from Twitter onto uh, onto the Streamyard and onto the show. Something that they're uh, working on, but I'm seeing these comments come in there, and we'll acknowledge those things. Of course, guys, if you have any comments, questions, things like that, show them out there. We love engaging with everybody watching and getting your feedback, getting your uh, your takes, things like that. Make sure you throw those comments in there and we'll get that going. Um, really, it's just the streaming gods trying to help us out, telling you to go to YouTube, like, subscribe, <laughs> and you can post your comments and questions via YouTube and they pop right up. You know what, Kevin? I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Absolutely, guys. Head on over there. Click the subscribe button. Hit the ring. Ring that bell button. We do this show for you live three times a week and you can j- catch us there every single time. Guys, what uh, what were some of your other takeaways for this week? For for me, honestly, is the Green Bay Packers going in and snagging victory from the jaws of defeat Man, against the game. San Francisco 49ers because apparently 37 seconds and zero timeouts is too much time for Aaron Rodgers, as you heard at nauseum Sunday <laughs> night and Monday morning. But holy crap, like it 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 was a very entertaining game. I haven't seen the league come out yet and issue a fine for that hit on Devonte Adams. Oh, but not? I, I would be very, very surprised if there is not a fine issued because that is the prototype hit that they want to eliminate. Right. And, and the game did a good job right in the telecast of explaining why the referees were in slightly different positions. And the reasoning was there but it shows why it's a why it was a bad move to pull the referees in closer to the line of scrimmage and not leave them further back to be able to see hits like that because that that was that could have been a career ending hit depending on where he got him like it was right there on that chin strap and holy holy cow guys like that could do a heck of a lot of damage. What I don't understand, and this is, you know, again, the NFL, sometimes it gets in its own way. And then sometimes it, it, it just feigns like it cares. What I don't understand is if you're going to have the ability for what they were calling New York to be able to review these plays, these types of plays, why wasn't New York called in? I mean, it's a prime time. It is the only NFL football game taking place at the time. Why Why isn't New York, in air quotes, calling the, the officials on site and saying, hey, we got to look at this. We need to take another look at this. And if you're going to have your, your referees, and, and Kevin, you're right, the, the Terry McCauley, who is, serves as the rules analyst for the NBC broadcast, did a great job of explaining, look, the back judge, he lets stuff go by him now. That's the mechanics that the NFL is doing this year, that they will let stuff go behind them. And so he was blocked. And, and I totally understand that a human, you know, can only see so much. There are like 30 or 40 cameras at these games. And we all, I mean, everybody, God and country, watching the broadcast, watching these cameras, saw how illegal of a hit that that was. 
And yet there was nothing from the league to page down to that crew and say, hey, look, we've got your back. We understand that. Isn't that what this this whole thing is about? Like the game is faster than it's ever been. There's more things that that humans are going to miss because they're human and that's okay. But the camera doesn't lie. And so why isn't somebody watching the cameras to show and then page down to these officials and say, hey, we need to take another look at this, even if just for a second, let's take another look. There were some really bad officiating blunders in that Sunday night game, and it didn't end up costing Green Bay, which I thought it would. Um, and there probably would have been more of a stink raised had Green Bay lost. And oh yeah, because Lafleur and Rodgers were oh I know beside, beside themselves yeah, for beside most them, of that game. Yeah, there were some really bad missed calls. Uh, the most egregious missed call actually led to history, uh, and that was in the excuse me, the Baltimore-Detroit game where apparently the play clock means nothing uh, because that clock sat on zero for at least two seconds, two full seconds that play clock uh, sat on zero on that fourth and whatever it was that got Baltimore into position for Justin Tucker to throw a 66-yarder out there and win that game. Um, That was a pretty incredible kick. I did not see anything that had led up to that, so all I saw was the 66-yarder. Um, but I also haven't heard anything from the NFL. And I think uh, the article that I read today was uh, um, the Lions are still looking for an explanation as to why that egregious of a delay of game penalty was not called and assessed. Um, so some officiating blunders, I think, um, highlight when you dig past the headlines of what happened. It was a bad week for NFL officials, I think. They, they, they did not have their A game uh, in, in several instances. Um, but fortunately, we were treated to some really good football. Um, I was screaming and yelling at my TV uh, at the end of the first half of that Sunday night game, wondering why the hell Trey Lance wasn't in the game when you've got first and goal from the five. Dude's a cheat code down there. And then eventually they threw him in after – uh, Green Bay burned all their timeouts and couldn't get the proper personnel on the field. So I don't know if that was Shanahan's plan all along, but I was, I would, <laughs> I mean, everybody it, it had to have been like, where is Trey Lance? Like, the kid is an automatic touchdown uh, from that close in just because of what he can do. And so I thought San Francisco was going to blow it and not get any points, but ended up getting his first career tutty, which was fun, fun to watch. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I, I very well may be on this one, but um it's my understanding that the that the officiating crew that, that does like the replays, that does the challenges, things like that, they can't necessarily page in to challenge a a non call type of type. If that of thing. rule that rule should probably be changed if that's what it is. I don't know. I actually don't know, Derek. Um, apologize for my ignorance and, on that, but and that is. rule needs to be changed. Right. Yeah, it's, just, it's certain things, right? Like right. you're they're talking, you know, inbounds, out of bounds, fumbles. Um the the C D lamb or not excuse me, not the C D lamb play, the Cedric Wilson grab along the sideline. Mm-hmm. The official called it complete. Um it was clearly incomplete, but the league instantly buzzed down well, that, that type of challenge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yes, you're correct. That was challenged. Um, but it was uh, like the Zeke, uh, the Zeke one where it was called the touchdown, and then it was turned, uh, then it was overturned on that one. That one came from the booth and was was uh, was initiated that way. But yeah, it's my understanding that that the replay officials can't necessarily 
challenge a call on the field, such as a delay of game, such as, you know, things that should have penalty markers on that. So I agree with you that, that those things should be, but I don't think that that's in their scope and in their prerogative to be able to change those types of things as the rules currently sit. And it should be, I have a feeling in the off season, the competition committee will get together. These tapes will be submitted and say, these are the types of things that we need to try to correct because it's, it's not a good look for the league. And while everybody's still thinking about 66 yard field goal to win the game and trust me, I'm happy that they did because yeah, I did. I'm happy he did because I'm in a, a, a 538 pool where you get a point. It's like a confidence pool. You get a bunch of points. If you win, you you lose a lot of points. If you get the pick wrong, I, I would have lost a lot of points on that. Um, and uh, it, it was, it was nice that Baltimore pulled that out, but you know, these are things that should be addressed uh, in the off season, because quite frankly, the rules stink. And how are you going to claim we're all about player safety and you let stuff like that fly, like the hit on Devonte Adams? It just right. doesn't make any sense. No, I'm right there with you. I just think right now at the same time too, right to everything that we've said, the officials out of position because of how they want these things to go nowadays. Um, and if you're behind that play, right, like you see it go through things like that, but you don't, see that helmet to helmet type of hit, things like that. Like you can guess that's what's happened with how uh, Devonte's head kind of snapped back a little bit and that kind of stuff, but you didn't see the actual hit from the way it was because Devonte's body shielded the, the angle of view. Um, and right now it's not like college where, you know, the booth can initiate a targeting type of call and things like that and really start taking uh, some control on that. So you're, I think you're right. There's some things that, that may need to change there real quick before you chime back in uh shooter, shoot basketball podcast, chiming in on Twitter, fellas, how we doing? Went eight and O in my eight leagues, which means eight and O this week, right? Uh, you might be right on that one. It was shoot. kind of a topsy turvy week. That's pretty good to go. Yeah. Good for yeah. you, man. I'm still riding riding a goose egg in the league that I'm in with my high school buddies, despite having Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones on the same team. I have no idea how I'm still riding a goose egg there, but um, I, back to the point. Back to the point I was making. Um, I I don't fault the officiating crew itself for that particular play in the San Francisco um, Green Bay game because that is the mechanics. But I think, to me at least. The thought process is if you're going to have your officials be not have the play in front of them, then you better have the ability to have, you know, the ever seeing eye correct whatever they're going to miss because of that positioning. And if that's not the case, then why would you do that in the first place? Right. Yeah, I think I think we're all kind of in. I will fault the officials in the Baltimore Detroit game. That's on them. They missed that. They blew that. And um but it's just embarrassing for the league. <laughs> yes, but I still like the crow hop. So that's where I'm going to stick. Fantastic with finish. Yeah. The doink up and over it. Love it. Um, question coming in on uh, Twitter real quick before we head on over to um, some pie or, or some, you know, finish up some recaps there. Uh, fantasy coaches on Twitter asking Madison or Hubbard as a pickup this week, who you taking? Don't answer. Don't answer. We got that answer later in the show. I promise you we got the answer later in the show. All right, so fantasy coaches, make sure that you're uh, staying tuned in there. We'll get you that answer later in the show. Um, that's one of Alex's favorite phrases. As the as they say in the biz, that's a tease. That's a tease, yep. That's a tease right there. Kevin, any final kind of thoughts on some of the recap from this week on the action? I, I'm wondering if the Chiefs have finally been decoded or if it's that 
Super Bowl hangover that sometimes the losing team in the Super Bowl gets and they're off to a sluggish start. Um, I'm also wondering if Baltimore's as good as advertised, even though they beat the Chiefs, right? Like the Lions, we said, are a scrappy team, right? They're they're trying to bite kneecaps and they're scrapping and crawling for everything that they can get. But if you're Baltimore, that's a game that you should walk away with, you know, three to seven points, no issue. Like it should not come down to that. Um, but the receivers for Baltimore need to catch the freaking ball, man. I don't know yeah. what the deal is with your boy Hollywood over there in Baltimore. Another tease, <laughs> but Holy smokes, man. Like it, it, it is yes. ridiculous. The number of passes that Lamar Jackson lays right into him. Like this is not Lamar Jackson being inaccurate. This is the receiving core having complete butterfingers and letting it bounce off their chest and face masks and not being able to grab the ball and secure it in. And they kind of half grab it and it falls through their falls between their arm and, and their chest plate there. And, and it goes incomplete because they couldn't make a football move. Like th- this is stuff that they should be covering in camp. And quite frankly, that these players need to get resolved really quick or Baltimore is going to struggle mightily as they get into the meat meat of their season, um, starting with their game this Saturday uh, in Denver against our Broncos. Yep, and that'll be excuse you. Put some respect on that. The three and O Denver Broncos. (laughs) Yes, three and O against teams that are zero and nine (laughs) collectively. Uh, AC chiming in saying those drops definitely did not help uh, him at all. They certainly didn't help my. my my pine and shine predictions there. I'll tell you that, and we'll uh, we'll get to that here in just one moment. Alex, any kind of final thoughts here on the uh, weekend action? Uh, it was a it was a fun week. Um, that the, the Denver Broncos, as we all predicted after week three, the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders would be atop the AFC West, as we all predicted. Yep, exactly, exactly. Although, if you listen to the Friday show. Kevin and I went pretty heavily into that saying that it wouldn't surprise us that uh, that the Broncos would be sitting two games ahead of the Chiefs at the end of this week. So uh, one of those that uh, make sure you're tuning into those shows because we'll recap those. Uh, we do have a couple of questions coming in here as well. So before we get into our Pines and our Shines recaps from last week, let's go ahead and hit up some of these questions. Uh, from the YouTube, we got DJ Vic uh, chiming in. What's up, guys? Traded A Rob for AJ Brown, full point PPR. He's three and zero, and he likes AJ better for the rest of the season. Hopefully, he gets soon, uh, healthy soon. Thanks. What are your thoughts here? Which side of that one do you want? I at this point, AJ Brown, because I know that he's he might have a qualified quarterback throwing him the football at some point throughout the rest of the year. Uh, honestly, I think it's a 50-50 shot. Uh, these soft tissue injuries for skill position players are brutal. Um, so there's there's always that chance, right? Like, yeah, he's going to work himself back, but if he rushes it and tries to push it too hard, he's going to be down even longer, much like some of the McCaffrey stuff that we saw last year. Um, A-Rob, good Lord, Matt Nagy, you're a freaking oh offensive play caller at heart, man. Like, figure out a way to get the ball into your playmaker. Like he is absolutely crippling Justin Fields by not letting him throw the damn ball. And on top of that, he's absolutely proving why Allen Robinson wanted out of town before the beginning of this season. Like Nagy just has no freaking clue. And I'll call it now we're three weeks in 
I don't know that he finishes the season, but he's definitely not the head coach starting next year. Yeah, I don't know that he finishes the season. Yeah, that seat has got to be incredibly hot at this point. Even even getting a rookie quarterback, usually they'll give you a little bit of grace. But the way that those guys looked on on Sunday, like it was one of those that did you even have a game script coming into it? Um, like that was that was absolutely astounding how poorly they they executed what might have been the game script if they if they even had one coming into the game. So they I had, guess they had forty seven yards of offense. Right. I mean, Fields had 68 yards of passing, but he also got sacked nine times for 67 yards. So he finished the game technically team passing six of 20 for one passing yard. Even when the Broncos threw in that practice squad wide receiver, they did a better performance than that. Yeah. So I guess, Vic, what we're getting at is it's a 50-50 shot, man. I I think I'd probably lead A.J. Brown just because I have a little bit more faith in that offense, although the injury does worry me slightly. Um, And quite frankly, at heart, I'm an Allen Robinson truther a little bit, so I can only trust that they're going to find a way to get this guy relevant because he's just too good of a freaking talent to ignore. Right. Alex, which which side do you want on that one? I'd... At this point, like I, I know that you know Brown's down, but with what is going on in Chicago, I, I think I would stay away from that for with a thousand foot pole. And it sucks because I've got some some Allen Robinson shares, and I'm trying to figure out what I can do with them. Yeah, I don't think uh, that's a that's a full unanimous uh, haul for us with the AJ Brown. I I think rest of the season you'll see him bounce back uh, after this injury, things like that after he takes a little bit of time, gets right. I I think uh, he'll have the better finish the way things are certainly shaping up there. Another question coming in from YouTube. Quick question from Jason Kenobi. Should I trade Evans and Claypool for Hill uh, trying to buy low? Uh, I guess I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to getting Tyreek. I mean, by the end of the season, he's going to be a top three wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Again, the chiefs, the chiefs, I'm sure we'll work through their issues. They're just too good offensively to not figure that out. So if you're not believing in Mike Evans and the Tampa Bay offense, that's fine. Um, the Pittsburgh offense is abysmal. And yes, Claypool saw a ton of targets this past week because Deontay Johnson was out. But Ben Roethlisberger is looking more and more like a rookie as he gets older. He's singling out targets. He's staring down targets. Like when when you have your wide receiver you know, uh, Claypool had what 14 targets and Najee Harris had 19 targets. I mean, yeah, it, it's just, it's not fun football for Pittsburgh. So I guess, yes, cause you can get away from Claypool, but I like Mike Evans a lot as well. So if they're willing to do it, I say, pull the trigger. You can get top three wide receiver, do it. Yep. Alex, any, uh, any, can any differing opinion on that? No, I'd co-sign on that. It's just, um, uh... I, you know, with with Tyreek and really anybody on the Chiefs offense, CEH or anything, I will say to let people to, to remind people, the Bucks looked like absolute garbage the first half last year, and then they figured it out. Good teams find a way to figure it out, um, and so I think that maybe that's what we we might be seeing out of Kansas City right now. And until I'm proven other, you know, proven otherwise, as the weeks go on. Um, that's the mindset that I'm taking with Kansas city. 
Yep. I want, I want Tyreek Hill on this one uh, for everything that you guys just said. Uh, plus part of it is too, as I see both Mike Evans and Chase Claypool as a little bit of boom bust kind of guys, Tyreek certainly has the ability to boom and have massive weeks, but he typically also has a higher floor than both of those guys as well. So I'm going to take the guy that's got the, got the better built in floor and the higher ceiling than either one of those guys. Uh, so yeah, if you can do that one, Jason, pull the trigger and don't look back. I think you'll be really happy with that one. So guys, that's going to wrap up some of the questions that we have there. Uh, again, folks, if y'all have any questions, comments, anything like that, throw them up here. We love getting those comments, love answering those questions for you. And we'll go through that throughout the show for you, but we're going to head right now into the pine and shine recap for week three. There's your pines. And this is the Jack Wilson because he's going up against um, the Denver defense, which is formidable. Um, and uh, proved proved to be such, especially in their home opener um, with that Denver crowd, um, the full full throat of the Denver crowd, of which I believe Kevin was part of, uh, and uh, he he looked every bit of a guy that you should have left on your bench. Uh, Nineteen of thirty five hundred sixty yards, and he got sacked five times, also through two picks. So uh, I will take the win on that one. I called that Zach Wilson was a pine and thank goodness the guy was playing this week. Was that AC that I played this week, Derek? Yes, it was. Yeah. Hey AC, thanks for joining us uh, (laughs) for my gloat session over you. This is the one you picked to watch, man. Rough, rough, rough week for you. Uh, (laughs) uh, AC actually played Zach Wilson over um, Mac Jones. And that contributed to the, uh, the first win of the season for the off constantly bunch. Now about time that the uh, champ finally got off the snide there. Kevin, I, you, uh, I remind you that the Bucks looked horrible to start. Now I'm gone. Yeah, they have Tom Brady and you're you. So I'll take the Bucks in that situation. Thanks for playing. Kevin, who'd you got? Uh, my pine was Debo. Um, he went five, five of 10 for 52 yards. And it really played out how I thought it was. He, he kind of broke loose. He had one long reception. I think it was, I think his long reception was 18 yards, I believe. Um, and outside of that, Green Bay really did a good job of keeping him in check. Kittle got loose. Ayuk found the end zone. Um, he got loose a little bit, but you can tell Green Bay saw, um, what was going on with Debo and all the yards that he had been racking up the first two weeks of the season. And they said, uh, uh-uh. uh, and so, um, Debo were last couple of weeks, you've been used to him putting up 18 to 24 points somewhere in that neighborhood in regular PPR leagues, um, kind of a, a measly 10 points there. So I'm calling that one a hit for a guy that had been, uh, carrying a roster the first two weeks. Absolutely. Uh, mine, I, Technically, it was a hit. I don't feel real great about that one. But when we were looking at it, we weren't Cop sure. out. What, yeah. I'm, I said I'm not not uh, overly enthralled about it. But, hey, it's it's uh, hard to win in this league. You t- Take your wins when you can. I believe technically when Derek went through this, he said even if he doesn't and Sony Michelle plays, don't play Sony Michelle either. So I think you should combine their stats. So I and, get to so I get I get to take Sony stat and average it out over two players, which makes you know don't play either one. Of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was one of those that I called that shot. It looked like Daryl Henderson had a shot to play, and he was uh, he was trending that way. Certainly, he didn't play. Sony Michelle actually had a fairly decent game against what uh, what we all thought was a very good Tampa rush defense that hasn't necessarily you know uh, didn't look that. Uh, that's stout in that game there from a rush perspective, but um, yeah, that's going to wrap up the pines. Let's go ahead and we'll head on straight into the shines 
And we've got a couple more questions. So after the the shines, we'll uh, we'll hit up some questions there before we get to the clutch. Not so much. So for the shines, call out your guy and 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 call your shot. Oof, for all of us. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'll take mine first. I had Sterling Shepard, and I'm going to cop that out to an injury. Um, two of three for 16 yards. He got hurt early in the game. Um, he was, I, I truly believe he was trending on the way to be a hit. Um, and yes, you can't control injuries, but it is what it is. So Shepard did not fulfill my prophecy of being a flex shine this week. And so I will take the miss. Alex, how about you? Mine was Tyler Lockett. And while he caught, by the way, that was one, but you can't see me. So I'll own that. Uh, while he caught all four targets his way, um, it was only for 31 yards. Russ might have been listening to the show last week when I was uh, going in on uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf because uh, DK was targeted a fair amount more uh, and uh, ended up throwing up a pretty good performance there of uh, uh, six catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, this happens every once in a while with the Vikings. Uh, having watched them pretty intensely the last five, six years, uh, they win games that they shouldn't. And I should have known that this was going to be one that they, they shouldn't have won. And they did. I believe Derek and I called that on the Friday night show. Yeah. We said to, uh, that it was going to be a, a Minnesota type of game. All righty. Uh, mine was Marquise Hollywood Brown. And yeah, this is one of those that you sit there in a lot of shows, you anal- the, you know, the analyst talks about how the process was right. I, I missed it. Um, and I missed it because Hollywood Brown missed the balls that were hitting him in the hands as he was in the end zone. Uh, three for seven, 53 yards and a couple of drops there um, that Kevin already kind of mentioned earlier where uh, hit him in the hands. He had a, you know, puts one of those away, add some more yards, add a, t- add a touchdown on there and it turns into an okay kind of day for him. But uh, if, if he catches overall good performance, if he catches the two in the end zone, Derek, you're looking at five for seven for 113 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, yep, that would have been a massive yeah, shine. And, and that would have been a great <laughs> shine. Like, again, it, we can't control this stuff, but it is what it is, right? Like, we can't control mm-hmm. the drops just like we can't control the injuries. So, um, unfortunately, we all stunk it up on our shines this week, guys. We got we got to do better. We got to go back to the drawing board, and we got to do better. Although, if you look at it, we hit every one of our pines. So, you know, we've got something right on the process we're really, there. We're really good at telling you who not to play. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, here's how you do this now from listening to this show going forward. You don't play the guys we have in the pines, and then whoever we have slated for the shines, don't play them either. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good good you'll get process. you'll get six. I will take my record no, you, going get, into week get. four here. We're we're doing all right. And fade me on one, and I haven't been consistent on which one it is, but but fade me on one of them. My shine will make up for it this week, I promise. All right, I like it, guys. We got a question coming in. Hey guys, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this one, but is that uh, so key on YouTube? Hi guys, need an opinion. Devonta Smith and Jefferson for Cook. What are your thoughts here? Who's willing to trade away Dalvin Cook? Is it Dalvin? No, I'm assuming Dalvin Cook. I'm assuming Dalvin Cook there as well. Um, I, I don't. I think that's somebody worried about an injury and trying to move off of him. Is would be my guess. You're going to bail on Justin Jefferson after the performance that he had sans Dalvin Cook? I guess if you have Madison already, then 
you can entertain it if you're feeling confident about your running or excuse me, your wide receiver core. But if you're giving away Jefferson and Devonta Smith for cook, just on the offset of the off shot of having, you know, cook play the remaining games on the schedule. Uh, I, Jefferson's just as good as cook is without the injury history. Honestly, I don't know what side you're on, but I, I'm not ready to bail on Dalvin Cook. But look, you know when you get Dalvin Cook, you're going to get 14 games out of him. So, I mean, that, that you should know that going in. I'm not sure that I would I would bail on Dalvin Cook. Now, if you're trying – if you were the one with Devontae Smith and Justin Jefferson trying to get him, I, I could see it, but I wouldn't bail on Jefferson either. And I know the Eagles look bad, but – uh, that one, I don't. I don't like. I don't like that deal at all. <laughs> I, don't yeah, like I, don't like, I don't really I, like either side. It just depends on what the rest of the roster construct is, right? I right. mean, like I said, if you have the wide receiver depth to absorb losing Justin Jefferson, go for it. Like if you're sitting on Debo and Mike Williams, who you got for pretty cheap, but look like they're going to be really strong focal points of of their team's offense. Eh, hell, why not take your stab at Cook? I mean, that's a it could be a difference making play when you're not really taking a loss in points from your wide receiver position. So, again, it depends. But hell, if your roster can absorb it, go ahead, go get Cook, go get your guy. Yep, and that's where I'm at. Is I'd rather have the running back than the wide receiver core um, on or the wide receivers right there, just because I I tend to lean towards the running backs in favor of that position there. Uh, so I'm going to take Cook, who, you know, again, I think will be a top, you know, easily finishes a top five back when it's all said and done. And Justin Jefferson still has a little ways to go to to get back on pace and get back on track to see the performance we put up. He put up last year. So that's kind of where I'm at on that one. Any final thoughts before we head on over into the clutch? And not so much. A quick word from our sports me spicy take. Yes, we're uh, we're going to talk to the sports. So, guys. If you haven't downloaded SportsMe, you need to do that. Get SportsMe.com. You can hop on there. It's a, it's a wonderful app, kind of like TikTok, but all about sports, all about sports conversations. You can join us on there. We post on there pretty regularly. Uh, go back and forth, give the takes, go uh, you know, do all of that back and forth. Good stuff there. Anyway, hit us up on there, and you could uh, have the chance of, of joining the show on one of these Sports Me Spicy Takes by doing that. And here's, so the question that we were asking today is who came up clutch, who was not so much for your fantasy team in week three? And we had a couple of folks chiming in on that one. Well, it was Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney and Alan Robinson and the fighting Matt Nagy's gross that was fatal i think uh negative 16 points in scott fishbowl from justin fields i wasn't gonna win anyway because the rest of my lineup was kind of meh but man that was terrible really terrible especially since i was super high on fields coming into the season hope it gets better Man, I had mostly non-clutch guys in my main home league. My other leagues I did fine in, right? Won a bunch of those. My main home league that really fucked me, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Devontae Smith. I literally have three dead receiver spots. There's no coming back from that. Oh, I also had Daniel Jones. Or it didn't matter if I had Jalen Hurts. It would have been a little bit better. But I had Daniel Jones, and you fucked me too. 
So yeah, we got some bitter, some bitter fantasy players this week. Yep. But yeah, there all, was there was not any uh, any joy of the uh, the clutching there. Just some not so muching. Um, they were probably then, clutching the arms of their chairs. They were uh, clutching the remote to try not to throw yes. it at the seven hundred dollar TV. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it'll, then, uh, it'll get better, guys. But yeah, yes. I would stay away from the fighting naggies here for a while until you can. Um, figure out what's going on with them. And quite frankly, it's even, it's even trickling down to Montgomery, which is unfortunate. Um, So they need to figure it out because it is affecting all phases of that team. As far as F1 goes, uh, the bills did a good job scheming against him, right? Like they knew that they had to take him out of the picture. Um, And if he falls in the end zone, you're not nearly as frustrated with Terry McLaurin. It just didn't happen for him this week. Um, and the AJ Brown, it, yeah, AJ Brown cost me in a couple of different leagues going, going down with that hammy. So I feel you there. Yeah. Um, and then to clean up that uh, that trade earlier, where we weren't sure which side of the offer they were on, they would be getting Cook in that situation. So um, get your boy. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah, go get him. Absolutely, I'm a fan of that one. So, guys, that takes us to our own clutch and not so much. So, who came up clutch and who was not so much for your fantasy team in week three? My clutch was a guy that we've spent a lot of time on this show talking about, and uh, I believe my words were, "Don't panic, don't worry, everything will be okay." And oh, well, sure enough, he finishes as RB one. Um, all the Twitter haters, as Derek mentioned earlier, were very quiet um, during the Monday night game and today over this RB1 performance. None other than Zeke Elliott as my clutch this week. Yeah, it was a pretty good, that was a pretty good clutch performance. Really, that entire Dallas offense looked looked pretty good. Um, again, you know, home openers fired up. Uh, my clutch performance came from Mike Williams. He went uh, seven of nine, seven catches on nine targets, had 122 yards, two touchdowns, and then a little cherry on the top, caught a two-point conversion uh, for a couple extra bonus points. So nice performance there. Uh, really, really aided the team. Yep. Uh, mine actually came from a uh, came from a tight end, which isn't usual for my team, but uh, <laughs> my, uh, my clutch was Mark Andrews, who uh, five receptions on seven targets, 109 yards, uh, putting up some pretty decent points for me out of the tight end position. Only one who wanted to catch the damn ball. Yeah, yeah you're not kidding. Uh, you know, it's funny. Alex is reading off that Mike Williams uh, stat line. I'm sitting there going, man, if Marquise, Will- or Marquise Brown catches uh, two of those things, hit that stat line looks very similar. Very similar, yeah. Very, similar. very, very similar. So, yeah, it was an ouchy, ouchy moment there. Alrighty, let's go ahead and move on over into the not so muches. So, guys, who was not so much on the clutch for your team? Uh, I'm not sure what game film the Detroit Lions were watching, preparing for the Baltimore Ravens. But um, as we stated Friday night, and I believe last week on on the Tuesday show, the blueprint is there on how to have success from your tight end against Baltimore, having faced Darren Waller in week one and Travis Kelsey in week two. Um, The Detroit lions decided to pay attention to neither and basically just erased TJ Hawkinson from the game script. He is your best pass catcher. He is your alpha and you guys completely faded him from the game script and 
field goal or not, time delay or not, uh, that is a key reason why it cost you the game is because you didn't get your best playmaker the football. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of envy uh, because uh, once again, this this is the same position that I've had not so much performances from um, already twice now in this season. And and to hear Derek have a clutch performance from a tight end is, is just something that would be a novel concept to, to anybody on my team because uh, my not so much was a guy I went out and got this this week. Um, and that was Jack Doyle. He had one catch on two targets for 10 yards. And uh, the curse that I have at the tight end spot continues because in order to get Jack Doyle, went ahead and dropped Zach Ertz off of the, the old roster. And there, there was some other reasons behind that. But uh, watching him catch a touchdown there on Monday night really really just stuck it to me. So uh, the tight end struggles continue for the off constantly bunch. Well, hell Ertz was on the COVID list until Friday. I mean, exactly. That's why Thursday, Friday, whatever it was, man, I, I understand the move. I understand the move. You don't know what he's going to be in. Did he miss too much of, of um, the walkthroughs and everything else? Like, yeah, it's hard to wait wait. on a Monday night uh, quarterback. Unfortunately, the other, the other tight end that I have on my roster is Cole Komet. And well, the fighting Mac Nagy's or strike again. <laughs> By the way, I like we need to start a petition to change the Bears' name into this the fighting Nagy's because that's too good to pass up. Is like, at least for this season, Adam Gase. Mm. No, he's not as bad as Adam Gates. No, because Matt Nagy's made the playoffs. He, he's trending that direction, though. <laughs> he's made the playoffs, though. Yeah, and you and you don't have a whopping, you know, you know guys leaving the system and leaving Adam Gase and all of a sudden having a massive resurgence to the point where, you know, it, it's a, it's a statistic worth noting that a guy fresh out of the, the uh, Adam Gase system is a guy worth drafting. Cause he's going to blow up the next season type of <laughs> yeah. thing. Like dang near bound for the pro bowl just by leaving the jets. <laughs> yes. Or the dolphins before that, or right. you know, pick your poison type of thing. Yeah. The Matt Nagy is not on that scale anywhere close to it is, as much as some folks might uh, might want to put him there, but um, yeah, my not so much was a running back, and uh, that uh, guy that I had to put in my starting running back uh, lineup there because of the Dalvin Cook uh, news had to try and do some pivoting. And how often, when you get to uh, a pivot to a running back, you go, "Man, I would have been much better off putting Naheem Hines in over a guy that's going to take at least first and second down type of uh, type of work there." So. My not so much was Damian Harris, who put all of six carries on the board for 14 yards, had two receptions on two targets and managed to lose three yards on those two, uh, two receptions there. So uh, a not so much performance from Damian Harris there and uh, kind of a performance worth forgetting. But, you know, as the uh, Patriots say, we're on to Tampa Bay. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll have a bounce back, but he'll probably be doing that from my bench. So that's where we're at there. Another question coming in, Hector on YouTube. Should I take Marlon Mack on waivers? That's a hard pass for me. Anybody have any different thoughts? I not after you, the performance Heinz turned in last week. With the Colts rumoring of taking trade offers for Marlon Mack, it, if you have the extra spot and you're not dropping anybody of consequence, um, he may not be worth the stash. Seeing where he seeing where he goes, right? We've seen a lot of running back injuries across the NFL this season already. Um, so uh, I'll tell you if if you feel like you can justify the roster spot to keep him 
on there for two weeks or so, three weeks, and see if the Colts do trade him and where he might end up. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's nothing wrong with taking a flyer on a guy who might see some carries. I thought he'd be more involved with the Colts offense than what he has been. Um, but obviously it's a wait and see game. So it's basic based off of your roster construction. But if you can absorb it, it's worth a flyer. Why not? All righty. All right, guys, let's go ahead and head on over to the waiver wire targets for the week. And I managed to get it working this week. So we've got, uh, got that going for us. All righty, guys. So looking at the quarterbacks here, Sam Dartle, Teddy Bridgewater, Taylor Heineke, and Daniel Jones, uh, all of which are under a 50% rostered um, out there. What are your thoughts here? Any difference in the lineup to that uh, to that order? I think I think I'd put Heineke above Bridgewater only because. Uh, Washington's going to be airing it out a bit more than Denver will. Uh, Denver's going to rest on their defense and probably really focus on their two-headed monster at running back. Um, Bridgewater, while he's been extremely efficient, he does have games like we saw this past Sunday. Great NFL quarterback, managed Mm -hmm. the game beautifully, did a great job putting that team in position for success, but he had zero touchdowns. Yes, zero turnovers, but you need touchdowns in fantasy football out of your quarterback position to be successful. So Heineke has more of that gunslinger mentality. So I think overall I'd take him above Bridgewater for that reason. Very cool. All righty. Alex, any other thoughts on that one? Nope. I'd agree with that. I think uh, if Darnold's available, especially going into this week where there isn't a Christian McCaffrey, um, I think that's going to affect the game plan a little bit. Um, so I, I would see, think that, that Sam Darnold's going to have um, a few more opportunities to uh, to throw. Not that Christian McCaffrey isn't a great receiving back and can make a quarterback look really good, um, but I like I like Darnold there at the top. And I, I'll agree with Kevin, too. You know, while Teddy Bridgewater wins real games, his performances aren't going to win you many fantasy games. Fair enough. Let's go ahead and head on over to the running back room. And right there, you've got Chuba, Gainwell, Tony Jones, Peyton Barber, Giovanni Bernard, and Royce Freeman. What are your thoughts on this one? I think the only change I would make would be switching Royce Freeman and Giovanni Bernard. Um, Chuba, as long as McCaffrey's out, I think he's going to be a pretty solid running back too. Um, For the Carolina Panthers, Kenneth Gainwell, we said after week one, he is going to cause Miles Sanders some issues as the season goes on. So if you can grab him now and you're either spending very minimal fab budget or um, you don't have to spend any possibly, if he's a guy that's just flying under the radar in your league and you can stash him for a few weeks, I think come the back end of the season, you'll like the return on that. Um, Peyton Barber got... How is Peyton Barber getting over a hundred yards rushing and you pay $11 million to Kenyon Drake and you're treating him as a third down asset. Like I, I just can't explain that. And the Raiders are three and O so it's hard to nitpick and say they're going about it the wrong way, but Holy crap. Like you almost have to roster him now just so that way no one else can take him and beat you with him. Yeah. Although to, 
funny, kind of a funny side note there. The Gio Bernard on the uh, Sunday show, Detroit Beastie made that call that uh, Peyton Barber was uh, was the guy, especially in DFS type of plays. And holy, holy moly, was that right? Yeah, I, I, and it, yeah, it was the right call. It just it's hard putting Peyton Barber in your lineup, right? Like you just look at it. You're trying to understand the situation. You're almost waiting for the okey doke from John Gruden and crew and like, okay, Kenyon Drake here, you're going to go get it. And sure enough, man, it, it is now two weeks in. It is clear that if Josh Jacobs can't go, Peyton Barber is going to get first crack at everything. Yeah. Yeah. I would say uh, to, 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 especially this week, if, if you're in need of running back help, Chuba Hubbard is got to be option number one. The Gainwell one, I think, is is a long con, and 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 I'd also say too, you know, the, the Eagles they were they were terrible on offense, but they also did they weren't on the field for very much of that game. I mean, they had 18 plays at halftime uh, on offense, so it's because they didn't want to run the damn football exactly, right. and the, and then they abandoned the run altogether. I, I, what was it? Did Miles Sanders finish with like what two or three carries? Two carries, two carries, yeah. and yeah. Gainwell had one. They had yeah. three rush attempts in the entire game. Uh, right. That's that's brutal. That's not going to win. I, that might be a rookie head coach, rookie play caller. You know, um, getting a little little antsy there on the play call and that game got out of hand, but I mean, still you're not going to win in the NFL with three rush attempts in a game. And I think that might be, you know, there might be written on the team facility as Nick Sir- Sirianni walks in, if not by Miles Sanders and uh, Kenneth Gainwell, by literally everybody else on that offense that might just have three words uh, right above his desk. And that is run the ball. <laughs> yeah, he definitely got caught up in the trying to keep up on the scoreboard and and kind of losing their identity there because when they did in the first half, successful, they, yeah. it was pretty successful, right? They dumped it off to Miles Sanders, even if you don't want to run the ball a bunch, right? Use the short passing game as an extension. They had some early success and they were only down by thirteen at halftime, and they were receiving the kickoff at the start of the third quarter, like. Thanks to they Mike had McCarthy's the opportunity awesome clock management skills. They were right. By 13. <laughs> you know, absolutely. So the, the Eagles had the opportunity to kind of really turn the game around for themselves in the third quarter. And it, it didn't work out. Next, you have a pick six and the game gets out of hand really quick. And then, you know, all of a sudden the Cowboys kind of pile it on. And, you know, the Eagles can only settle for some garbage time points to help make it look closer than it ever really was. Yeah. Absolutely. Guys, let's go ahead and head on over into the wide receivers, and we'll just kind of stop that at the top 15 there. Uh, so Myers, Callaway, Elijah Moore, Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Pascal, Tim Patrick, Brian Edwards, Terrence Marshall Jr., McCole Hardman, Jalen Rager. And actually, we'll just stop that at the top 10. Um, all the rankings are on the good old boys website, goodoldboysff.com. If you want to head over there and take a look at that. So any thoughts here on those top 10 wide receiver waiver wire targets? I have a lot of Jacoby Myers across different leagues. Um, and for this reason, like he is clearly, he, he's still clearly the number one guy in new England. Yes. Kendrick Bourne had a game. He's a guy that you might want to move up that list a little bit, Derek, as I'm looking at it. Um, but Jacoby Myers is the guy, honestly, I'd probably move Emmanuel Sanders to number two. He's leading 
the Buffalo Bills receivers in snaps played. He's second in targets, only behind Diggs, and he's seeing an 18% target share right now. So Emmanuel Sanders, as this Bills offense keeps clicking, is still going to be uh, a part of that as the Bills are going to throw the ball a ton. So he's a guy who is worth putting on your roster and being able to stick in at the flex if you're having uh, wide receiver issues or running back issues, and now you need to find a new flex play. Very cool. Alex, any thoughts on that? Yeah, the Manny Sanders, um, I mean, don't don't get caught up in the fact that he had, you know, two touchdowns last week and expect that, but he's he's very clearly, you know, established himself as part of that offense, and um, he's somebody that, you know, He's available in a lot, a lot of leagues. So that's a guy that that you uh, you really should be targeting because even if, if nothing else, don't let Emmanuel Sanders beat you. Right. Uh, I think you're probably right there. We'll have to do some change in there. Tight ends. Well, just a real quick hit on this one. Hooper, Ingram, uh, Gerald Everett, Dawson Knox, Fryermuth, Conklin, Tommy Tremble. Any thoughts here? Uh, <laughs> which one of these guys will end up on my roster next week? <laughs> I think, I think these guys are all still streaming options, right? Like the, the Panthers, uh, moving Dan Arnold in, in the trade where they got CJ Henderson leads to more, uh, production from Tommy Tremble. So that's a good thing. Tyler Conklin's flashed for Minnesota. Um, Pat Firemuth got his first touchdown of his career. I mean, it was like two targets, one catch for two yards and a touchdown. So I don't know that you can bank on that. Um, honestly, Gerald Everett's still the guy that I'd go to. Just being in that Seattle offense, their defense is not very good. They're going to be throwing the ball. So Everett, for me, is probably still first on that list. Uh, I'd probably go Evan Ingram, too, just because of Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard both going down. Then uh, Hooper, three. Um and kind of go on down the list that way. So I would adjust the tight end rankings slightly, but in reality, guys, these are all streaming options. They're not guys that you're comfortable putting in your starting lineup every single week. Cosign it. All righty. So you can check those, uh, those waiver wire uh, rankings out on our website, goodoldboysff.com. Those are up there and uh, yeah, very good chance. We'll be making some, uh, some edits here. Uh, real quick for y'all as we uh, head into waiver wire night here. Um, but before we head over into the Thursday night breakdown, which is where we're heading next, we have another question coming in from YouTube. Hector over there is, should we stash Bateman or Curtis Samuel if dropping LaVisca? Yeah, uh, I, I totally uh, sympathize with the dropping LaVisca uh, thought process. This has been that Jacksonville offense, and we'll 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 talk about it when we get into this Thursday night game here, because since they're they're playing in it, but but oh boy, I, I mean, if you're you're looking at at moving off of Lavisca at this point, I think either of those two options might be better for you. I, I'm I'm ready to be done with him myself. I I'm going to tell you Curtis Samuel because I really like what Curtis Samuel did in Carolina. Ron Rivera obviously. Really liked what Curtis Samuel did. That's why they brought him in. They need another receiver to help take some pressure off of Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel will be able to provide that. Um, Rashard Bateman, I, I like the talent. I like what 
the Ravens were saying about him, but we haven't seen him play an NFL snap. Like, and that is not necessarily worth a stash and just hope, hope and see in a redraft league. Like I'd rather take Samuel where I know there's at least a solid floor there once he gets back. And quite frankly, you probably have another week or so after Bateman gets back because I don't anticipate him coming into the fray and going for, you know, a hundred yards and, and a touchdown in his first performance. He's going to get worked into live NFL action. Although right. if he can actually catch the football, he might get, you know, some more looks uh, his way. Uh, maybe, but again, the, the advice we would have on, on a rookie coming off of an injury that hasn't played a snap yet would be in a run heavy offense also. Right. Where it's, you know, would you start him? No, there's, there's not a chance in any situation. Well, I say that there's, there's always a situation you could present where, yes, Rashad Bateman would be the guy to play in that type of deal. But to uh, stash, first... to stash? Correct. But at the same time, too, right? Like, I want to see what he does on that. So even when he comes back, I'm looking probably three games in to before I'm looking to probably even try and play him. And he's going to be out on the waiver wire about that long, unless he comes in and just absolutely pops and does something big a la Hollywood Brown in his very first game as a Baltimore Raven, where he went ham that, that game and then disappeared over the back half of the season. But yeah, uh, Bateman Bateman's ceiling is probably higher. So if you're looking for a big boom play and that's your argument, then I understand the Bateman play. Um, If you're looking for some depth and some reliability at wide receiver as bye weeks hit and kind of the natural attrition of the NFL takes place, I would tell you Curtis Samuels, uh, my go-to target. So uh, again, it depends on how you feel about it, but I can see it either way. Well, Dwami Brown has been fairly mixed into that Washington offense so far on that one. And again, it's one of those that I, while he's been promising and good, like, Curtis Samuel's another level on top of that right now. And and I see them finding ways to get the ball in his hands and designing plays to to get the ball in his hands far more than what I think the Ravens are going to do, especially early on there. So I like the Curtis Samuel side of it. All righty. Let's go ahead and head on over into the Thursday night game. And you've got the Jaguars going to the Bengals. Bengals are favored by seven and a half. The over-under on this one's 46 points. What are your thoughts here? Uh, I will take the Bengals um, and the seven and a half. Uh, I think we're going to see kind of a repeat of what we saw last Thursday night where a team is uh, just overmatched and overpowered. And uh, I think the Bengals are are much better than the Jaguars right now. Um, but I will see under, which I thought last week, I thought we'd see some points. You know, I could see another, you know, 24 to 3 or even a, a 21 to 10 game. So uh, I will take the under uh, on the points, but give me the Bengals minus seven and a half. Urban going home and getting smoked. Of Ohio there. You hate to see it. Actually, <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> I'm going to take the opposite side of this. I think the Jaguars cover and we hit the over. Um, There's going to be some garbage time points in this game. I don't trust the Bengals defense to be able to really do to Trevor Lawrence what, you know, the likes of the Broncos defense has been able to do. Um, And remember that Houston gave up a ton of points to him there in week one, too. So uh, 
it's possible for Jag for Jacksonville to score some points. Um, I think they find a way to do that in this Thursday night game. The Bengals win, but the Jags cover, and I'm going to take the over. Oh, okay. Well, I'll split the difference between both of you then. Um, because this is one of those that it just has the feeling to me that you're going to see this thing end up where the, the Bengals are going to score right there. That 23 to 26 is kind of where I see that range going. The Jaguars, I see being in that uh, 14 to 18 type of point range to it. So I'm going to call it where the Jags cover, but I'm seeing the under happen on this one. So that's, uh, that's where I'll go. I'll take the Jags to cover and I'm taking the under on that. So we've got kind of a, a, a range there on this one, as far as that goes. Uh, any other thoughts on the game, any players that you're um, not looking to necessarily start? If you've got them players that you think are going to smash in this one. I think Jamar chase is going to smash um, and keep an eye on the T Higgins injury to see if he's going to be, that option and and if it's and if you're not sure about it and you can pivot off of T Higgins I know two weeks in a row is tough at times um but don't feel afraid to pivot off of T Higgins for this week even though the matchup looks great coming back from an injury is always uh hit or miss when the, when these NFL players are coming in um but other than that uh, Joe Mixon should eat um Jacksonville DJ Chark started to see some action, right? So if you need a, a flex play, uh, DJ Chark's probably not a bad flex play against a Bengals defense that's been known to give up a big player to throughout the course of the game. So um, nothing crazy. I, I'm not buying LaVisca Chenault, so yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. Uh, James Robinson should have a decent game here guys especially with Jacksonville being on the road they should want to establish the run and and try and protect Trevor Lawrence a bit but if the Bengals are able to jump out on top of them they will abandon the run pretty quickly and then it's going to be can Trevor Lawrence move the ball without throwing interceptions yeah that's the the James Robinson is definitely a play that I'm going to have to really really heavily weigh because if I think this game goes away that I think it will or I should say, if this game goes the way that I think it will, that James Robinson's um, usage isn't going to be very good. And I've got some James Robinson shares. So that's one that I'm, I'm going to have to heavily weigh um, as, as I set rosters on Thursday. Yeah, Other than that, one... there's nobody I'm not. I don't have a lot of Cincy guys, and Robinson's really the only Jacksonville cat. Alex, I do think this one's going to stay in a pretty neutral game script for most of it um, because you'll probably see this game be within about a – I see it being a, an about a one-possession type of deal there. So I think you'll be able to to bank on a neutral type of game script. The question is, is does does Urban and uh, Darren Bevel actually decide to, to play and get the ball into to James Robinson's hands and try and take some pressure off that rookie quarterback, which very much remains to be seen. So – I do understand that one, but I think Joe Mixon is going to blow up and have an amazing game. I almost put him as my pine or as my shine on that one, but uh, I thought that one was a little too easy of a call there. So I pivoted uh, later on there. So, and that's where we're going to head now is into the pine and the shine for week four. So guys, who are you pining this week? So for me, I am I'm going to stay away from Juju Smith Schuster from uh, 
the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. It, he has been kind of the ghost of that team here at the moment. Uh, when Deontay Johnson's available, all the targets are going to Deontay. Uh, we saw last week with Deontay out, everything went to Chase Claypool. So for whatever reason, Juju's the forgotten guy. Um, they're going into Green Bay on a road game. Green Bay's pass defense is pretty stinking good, as we saw last week. So uh, I'm going to tell you to pine Juju this week. So this might be the first time that I've done this, and and it, um, I, I mean, it, it still counts because you, in most leagues you're going to have this. Um, but I'm I'm going to tell you to pine a specific defense and special teams, uh, and, and move on uh, to a different one. Guys, the Washington football team was so good on defense last year, and I, I know a lot of people probably probably snapped them up in the in the draft. You're forced to pick a defense and special teams. Um, they're terrible uh, right now, and they just got you know eviscerated on Sunday against Josh Allen and the Bills. Um, so I, I'm telling you right now, move away from the Washington defense and special teams. Find a different option. You're you're going to be a little bit happier. So so don't play the Washington defense and special teams. Go out and find go out and find another one. They're they're bad. Yeah, that's kind of been one of the big shockers and surprisers there is the underperformance of Washington football team. Um right there with you, Alex. My pine is a guy that actually had, you know, first decent week for fantasy. Um, this past week, but I see him uh, not being able to continue that in week four. Saquon Barkley, if you got him, pine him, move on, like pivot, look somewhere else. Right now, the New Orleans Saints is 26th in fa- uh, fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs, only averaging about 10 points um, as a whole to the running back position of the opposing team there. And again, one of those that I don't see – I don't see Saquon being able to do enough on the ground. Like he still isn't looking uh, very explosive on there. Still isn't running behind a, the line doesn't look great on that one. Um, And I don't know that he's going to get enough uh, work in the passing game in this one for him to, to have a top, top 12 type of performance uh, type of thing again. So I'm pining Saquon Barkley and looking for other options there. Let's go ahead and head on over into the shines. And guys, who do you have as your shine of the week? My man is going to make an appearance again to this list. Um, We had him in week one, and it was an absolute standout performance. We're bringing it back. We're going to do the same thing. Corey Davis is a shine this week going up against a Tennessee Titans team that their secondary is just not very good guys. Like it's just not Um, Zach Wilson is going to have a much easier time uh, moving the football against Tennessee than what he's had the last couple weeks against Denver and uh, new England respectively. So Corey Davis is on my shine list this week. Revenge game. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I'm going to give you my, my shine for this week, but then I'm also going to have an honorable mention. Um, Derek, after you go, so um, uh, my shine is uh, is Chuba Hubbard um, for the uh, what's that the fantasy coaches that were asking um, Chuba Hubbard. I mean, the, the kid put up um, eleven carries. He had fifty two yards on that uh, in a game that was you know pretty well in, in control. 
uh, for Carolina after McCaffrey got hurt. Um, I think he's going to be a focal point uh, in this offense uh, for Carolina this week. So uh, I, I think, you know, we've, we've kind of said it a couple times, um, you know, the Cowboys, it's a good defense, but I think of, as we've seen, that if you get one dimensional against the Cowboys, like we saw with the Eagles last week, you're not going to have a very good time. So you've got to be able to run the football. And, and uh, I think that he plays a big part in that. If the, if the Panthers want to have a shot at winning that game. So uh, Chuba Hubbard is, is my shine this week. Yeah. You absolutely can't uh, pizza when you're supposed to French fry there. So you're going to have uh, a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. My shine is a guy I'm picking my shine right up off of Kevin's pine from uh, last week, uh, who he pined Debo Samuel, who didn't have a good game, but I think we have a bounce back this week. He's going up against Seattle. Seattle has given up, has allowed the most points to the fantasy uh, wide receiver opposing teams. And it, it is become apparent that he's the first read in this offense for targets and he's averaging 10 targets a game. So this is one of those where he's going to get the opportunity. He's going to get a lot of targets. He's got a great matchup on this one. So I fully see him uh, just kind of exploding on this one and having a very, very good week. Alex, you said you had an honorable mention. I do. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, Sunday night, there's kind of a, a big, big game um, between uh, an NFC East, uh, an NFC South team and an AFC East team. Um and uh, so I, I think Tom Brady's going to go bananas back at Gillette. Um, I know it's not exactly a, a, a stretch to say that Tom Brady's going to have a good game, especially what we've seen so far. Um, but on the flip side, Tampa Bay's secondary is really, really banged up right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones kind of goes, you know, tit for tat with Tom Brady. So I think if you're playing a quarterback in that game, you, you're going, it's going to be okay. See, I, I like your thought process there, but I'm taking a different position in that game. I'm going to take Gronk in that one. If he's uh, if he's back to 100%. Correct. If he's back to 100% and he's playing all of that good stuff, I'm I'm going Gronk there because yeah. you we we mentioned the Corey Davis, you know, revenge game type of thing. Gronk is the type of personality that I think would eat in that situation and would relish the moment to uh to just do a couple of, you know, two or three Gronk spikes in the end zone every chance he gets. And uh, I can imagine him just going, Tom, you got to hit me. You got to get me the ball. I know that Bill doesn't want to get beat by those two guys specifically. So I have a feeling that that, that there will be some scheming that is done. Um, But I, I genuinely think that quarterback play is going to shine in that game. Um, For one, because it's Tom Brady. Uh, making his return to Gillette Stadium, and for two, you know, Mac Jones, he had a, he had a rough go last week, uh, but I mean, Tampa's secondary is is really beaten up right now, so um, it that they're about to pull dudes off the street. I haven't heard yet if Richard Sherman got a phone call, um, but my goodness, they they need some help on the back end. So Mac Jones could be a, a very solid play. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, kind of matches the performance that Tom Brady puts out. Very cool. All righty. Well, guys, let's go ahead and head on over. Uh, last segment of the night. So, guys, if you have any more questions, comments, things like that, make sure you're tossing those out there so we can answer them for you. 
uh, before we wrap up and call it a night. But let's go ahead and head to the final performance, and that's the Thrive Fantasy Apps props for uh, for Thursday here. So uh, Thrive Fantasy is a new uh, new way to play DF- DFS out there. You download the Thrive Fantasy app today on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. New users get a 100% deposit match instantly up to $250 when using the promo code GOBFF. And yes, that's the highest promo that they've ever allowed for the deposit match on that one. So you can sign up today. New users that deposit $10 or more will get one free ticket into the 15,000 guaranteed Thursday night contest there. New users that deposit $100 or more uh, will get one free ticket to the 15,000 guaranteed Thursday night contest and two free $50,000 prize pool tickets for the weekend there as well. They have more than just NFL games. You can also play all sorts of other player props on other sports, and they even have some free rolls on various sports there as well. So right now, kind of coming into our uh, props on this one, Alex is coming in at two and one on the season. I'm two and one. Kevin's one and two on this one. And we've got some interesting matchups. This one's all going to take place for the Thursday night. Uh, Alex, who you got on your prop on this one? I'll take uh, Trevor Lawrence over 23 and a half completions. And I think that probably 10 of those come in the fourth quarter in garbage time when he's just trying to mop up and um, Cincinnati's sitting back in a, you know, prevent shell um, and he's able to just uh, get, get, get some completions down the field. So um I'll take Trevor Lawrence over 23 and a half completions. Hey, dink and dunks count, man. They absolutely yes, they count. Do. So um, I'm going to take Joe Mixon on this one, right? I already said that I think that he's going to eat and he's going to have a big game. Um, they they gave a, a prop of over 0.5 for a touchdown, whether it's coming from the rushing or receiving on that one. So I'm going to smash the yes button on that one. Um, I might be a little bit hosed that they run like a Statue of Liberty player, a flea flicker, you know, the the Philly special type of thing. Um, you know, that's the way he gets his touchdown. But I'm pretty confident that Joe Mixon gets into the end zone on this one. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I I need to catch up here, guys. I'm falling behind already. Uh, I'm going to take Joe Burrow over uh, two and a half total passing touchdowns and interceptions so he will have at least three touchdowns and interceptions combined um i think this thursday night kind of speaks to that as a home game they're going to want to show off jamar chase here and if one of them goes to joe mixon then both of us can eat Derek, and that'll be okay so uh joe burrow is my play play for uh this slate of thrive fantasy bets I like it. So guys, make sure again, if you're, if you're looking for a new play to play uh, DFS, download the thrive fantasy app. It's available on the Google play store, Apple app store. And right now using that promo code G O B F F you get a hundred percent deposit match up to $250 as well as some of those additional plays on the Thursday night games and these weekend games, depending upon how much you deposit. Head over there, get that guy, get that one done. You don't want to miss out on this one. Lots of fun. Guys, any final thoughts? I, I think that's going to take us down to the end of it, but any final thoughts on um, you know, for the weekend ahead? Uh, continue to navigate the waters, right? Always, always try and improve. Always check the waiver wire, even when you feel like your roster's 
you know, in tip top shape. Um, always, always just see what's out there, right? Check it. Um, and you never know, you might find a little gem stashed away in there where you can, um, grab a Alexander Madison because their owner didn't handcuff them. Like we tell you to do on the show and you plug them in Sunday morning and he ends up, uh, putting up one hell of a performance for you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. You know, pay attention, just keep paying attention. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, we start to get into after week three, kind of the, uh, the novelty of fantasy has started to wear off on people. And, um, this is really where you can start to make your, Hey, if you're very serious about it, um, and, and you can start collecting and, and just paying attention to the waiver wire. It's, this is where the grind starts because the first three weeks are done. This is where we grind. Absolutely. And, you know, for everybody out there that, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of teams that are 0-3 right now. And that's the, the biggest message that I'll give anybody there is don't give up on this one because the amount of times that, you know, people have started 0-3 and end up in the championship game is countless, right? Like I know that I've, I've been there several times before where I started off 0-3 and ended up uh, playing for the championship game at the end of that season. So there's, there's still plenty of time left to go on this season. You know, make sure that you're just making the moves, you're working the waiver wire, you're doing the grind, all of the the wonderful pointers that my my co-host just gave you. Make sure that you're rocking and rolling those and uh and bring home a ship uh, bring home a championship for you. Uh but guys, I do think that that's going to take us down to the end of this thing. Make sure that you're hitting us up on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at @goodoldboysff. Please do us a favor, hop onto the YouTube, click the subscribe button over there. We do this show live three times a week for you during the season on Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday mornings. And that's one of the best ways to support this independent podcast is through the YouTube channel. For Kevin and Alex, I'm Derek. Have a great one. Be safe.